Welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Changing everything, yes, Jesus, in obedience to Christ, yes, Jesus, you are pruning everything, yes, in obedience to Christ. The Bible says that Jesus, through his poverty, that we should become rich and the Bible says that he learned obedience by the things that he suffered and when he was on the cross at that moment he received on poverty so that it stays on the cross so that you and I can become rich. So when the Bible says that Jesus was poor and that through his poverty we shall become rich. And by the obedience of one man has made a way we thank you we do not take it for granted Lord and so we ask that this morning let there be an unusual encounter let Jesus be revealed beyond the words that will be said let there be the spirit of the living God Beyond the words spoken, let everyone have an encounter with you. Think through my mind, Lord, speak through my vocals. In this house today, let no one go back the same. In Jesus' name, come and celebrate Jesus. sit in God's presence. Glory to God. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. God is a faithful God. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastics. Chapter 11. Today, 
I would attempt to conclude on the subject of wine price that we have been teaching and talking about. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. I'm reading the English Standard Version. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes. The bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God. Who makes everything. Someone say God. Makes everything. Turn to a neighbor. Say God. Makes. Everything. Every time. You taste a bottle of wine. And I hope you do drink wine. I don't mean to get drunk. <laughs> Once a while, just go to the supermarket, buy a bottle of wine, and have a good time. Treat yourself well. Every time you taste the bottle of wine, something has gone through to make that wine what it is, right? So, um, Louis, what's that wine? Louis, what color you know now? <laughs> what's that wine? Sorry? Oh, Coca and Fanta. No, we know, we know what's up. No, there's that wine, um, Louis something. I think they say it's about five million or something or two million dollars. I don't know what. Louis something. So much googly for me. Now, in the the process of wine making, they tell you that it gets better with age, right? So the older it is, the better it is. Okay, and then the more expensive it is, it gets, right? So. Listen to, to the word of God. Alright? <clears throat> it says, As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. Verse 6. And at evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper. This or that. Or whether both alike will be good. So in the process of making wine, you see that a lot of things go into that. The grapes or the fruit or whatever is used is pressed and mashed and over and grounded such that the juice in it comes out. Right? And then someone takes that wine and puts it in the wine cellar or the, or the um, container and then they leave it there and they tell you this wine is 100 years old. Have you found it? Ma not Martini. It's Louis. It's, Lu it's Martini. Number one. It's Louis five or something. There's a number they put to it. So when you, when you take that and leave it and they tell you it's, uh, this wine is 100 um, years old. And they say it's that expensive. Please, what has happened? It just stayed, right? And nobody touched it. And the process of staying, um, just for a biology student, it was ferments, right? 
and then they do all those their processes and everything and then becomes exquisite and they tell you only two people have it in this world the queen of england and pastor joel you know and then everybody wants so you have that you don't you don't you, you don't sell it you just display it in your house and everybody comes and they're 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 happy that you have it and, and things like that many times believers like a 24-hour miracle i'm not saying the 24-hour miracle is wrong or is bad no god is the one that makes everything but then there are certain things that require the process of time that with time it gets better it gets better so we look at the gift of God that is in us and we say you know what I don't even understand how this pastor is preaching and you feel that oh yeah you can preach better than me I agree I'm not the best of preachers but whatever God has put inside of you actually needs time to mature so the reason people are where they are and you are not where they are is because your time has not come. So rather than try to jump quickly, why not allow time to let it mature? Because when it has matured, it tastes sweeter. That's what Jesus told them in Canaan of Galilee. Mary went to him and said, they don't have any wine. He said, Man, my time has not come. My time hasn't come. So when my time comes, the wine will be sweeter. Lo and behold, it got to the time and then they asked him. And she went back and said, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And then he got them and said, look, take water, fill it into this jar and fill it to the brim. So when they tasted of it, what did they say? Why did you save the best wine for last? You are a smart man. You are doing very well. When you allow time to walk in you, the things that God has put inside of you, when the world tastes of you, they say, where have you been? But the moment we see that, oh, just because I can sing and I sing in the bathroom doesn't mean we should give you the mic here. Are you hearing me? Or they should give you the mic anywhere at all. No. 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 Allow time to walk on you. Yes, it's the gift of God. It's the grace of God. But allow that time to work on you and develop you so that when you are matured, you see, do you know what? Have you ever walked into a room and you're in a room and someone walks into that room and then you, you, you perceive the perfume? Please, did the person come to tell you that I'm wearing perfume? That's what grace does. It announces itself. It announces itself. You won't come to me to tell me that, ah, Pastor, 
and I can preach you. If you tell me, if you come and say, ah, Pastor, and I can preach you, I'll say, wow, that's great. That's great. I'll encourage you. But you may be in your closet and the anointing of God is on you as a preacher. As long as I am in tune with the Spirit of God, there is no way I will fish you out. The grace will find expression. I will perceive the aroma. I can sing. Yes, I can sing. No problem. But as long as you allow time to walk in you, the gift and the grace that God has put in you, there is no way we will not perceive the aroma. One way or another, the connections will make. One way or another, opportunity will show up and your gift will step in. Where's Victor? Okay, yeah. I didn't know he could play the drums. I didn't know he could play the drums. No, you can say thank you. God bless you. I didn't know he could play the drums. One Wednesday service, we were here and uh, Amadi Jari, yes, you too. That's him. He didn't come. And I don't know why he didn't come. And then, that Wednesday, Victor was in church. And I was all set. The anointing was on me. I was, I, I was not to be distracted by a no drummer. And then God knew my heart. And then Victor was in church. And the next thing I raised my head and I saw somebody else on the drums. I was like, oh. The opportunity showed up. The aroma was all over him. I mean, were you blessed by the ministration this morning? When the grace of God is on you, you do not need to announce to anybody. The grace announces itself when the time comes. So Jesus said, woman, my hour has not come. So when the time came, he told them what to do. And by the time they tasted of that wine. Now let me explain to you. In, in Bible, in, in, in scripture, the number of a man is six. The number of man is six. Bible, Bible has, has, um, has um, numbers for different things. Number one, number two, number three. They, uh, they, they all mean something in Bible terms. So number six is the number of a man. And it's also the number of grace. So Jesus said to them, take how many pots? Six pots. And put what in it? Water. In scripture, water means what? The word. And he says, fill it to the brim. It means that when you take a man and put the word of God in him to the brim, when he's full and men taste of it, it will be sweet. It will be sweet. It will be sweet. So rather than stay and just allow time pass. No. I'm doing something with that time. Such that by the time I am revealed. What will come out will be sweet. It will be a blessing to the world. It will be a blessing to people all around me. People everywhere. When scripture says, taste 
test and see that the Lord is good. What are they? What the scripture saying? It's talking about you. Experience this person, you will know that the Lord is good. Test and see that the Lord is good. Experience you when people come in contact with you. Do they know that the Lord is good? Or they resent Christianity from that moment? From that moment. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. The Bible says that there is time for everything. In Ecclesiastes, there is time for everything. There is time for sowing, there is time for reaping. When you observe the wind, which direction is the wind going? Which direction is the wind going? And you spend your time observing. Observing. It says what? You won't sow. Then when you don't sow, it says he who regards the cloud will not also reap. So you are also saying to the clouds, ah, is it going to rain today? Or is it going to rain tomorrow? Is it going to rain today? Or is it going to rain tomorrow? At that point, you are indecisive. You're indecisive. At that point, you've not even moved from whether you should commit to the things of God or you shouldn't commit to the things of God. But time is going already. So when people don't sow and don't reap, and when, I, when I'm talking about sowing and reaping, I'm not, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about sowing. Commitment to things. When you don't do that, you are positioning yourself to... And, and listen, there's something the uh, scripture says in, in Revelation. When, when um, the angel was talking to the churches and said, to this church, this, to this church, that. And he said, um, to one church, he said, you are neither hot nor cold. He said, I would rather that you are one of them. You can't be in between. No, you can't. I'd rather you are hot and we know you are hot. Then I'd rather that you are cold and we know you are cold. That way we can help you. But when we don't understand where you belong, then there's a problem. Every gift of God inside you is looking for an opportunity to come out. Every time. Is looking for an opportunity to come out. And every opportunity has its time. So in its time, it's either you are there or you are not there. So it boils down to how yielded you are to the Spirit of God. And you're saying to God that, you know what? First of all, I know you, you have graced me with something. But as I stay yielded, I do not know whether it's in the daytime or in the night. That's what he's saying. He said, in the morning, so you'll see. At 
evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So my commitment and my service to God is not fair weather. No. If I observe the wind, I won't do what I'm supposed to do. And if I regard the cloud, I won't also receive what I'm supposed to receive. So my life is not moving by the weather. No. Things are good. Things are not good. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't. Whether or not I feel good about God does not make him good. No. Whether I feel bad about him does not make him bad. No. It's the way I'm feeling at that moment. But what scripture is saying is that your feeling should not interfere with your commitment and how you receive from God. You should separate the two. You should separate it. Say, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Because we are believers, children of God, and our commitment to Him is absolute. Not dependent on anything. How we feel or how we don't feel. Are we, Pastor, are you trying to say that um, Jesus is less concerned about how we feel and all he just wants is for us to just serve him? No. Even scripture says it. That he knows, he understands how we feel. But he's saying that if you see from where I'm seeing, you realize that your feelings do not determine. Are you hearing me? Your emotions don't determine. What determines is who I am and what I am doing. So when the clouds are there, I saw. When the rain is there, I saw. My commitment doesn't change. It doesn't change. All these things are such that the sweet wine in us will come out and people need to see it they need to see it that's the only way they see jesus that's the only way it has to come in a recognizable format that's the only way when jesus was here on earth when he would give an example in a parable, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like bread. The kingdom of heaven is like wine. They can see bread. They can see wine. It's like fish. They can see it. It's like coin. They can see it. So he needs something that the world can recognize. When G if Jesus walks in here in his true form, how many of you will recognize him? But what people can recognize is you. In your organization, it's you they can recognize. At home, it's you they can recognize. In church, it's you they can recognize. In your community, it's you they can recognize. So when they see you, even Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because if the Father comes, you can't recognize him. But I'm standing in front of you. The moment you see me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is saying, when people are looking for him, he has sent you to them. Why are they not seeing Jesus? Because you are not there. You are not representing. We are not there. It says in Psalm 126. 
and verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's complete no emotions. No emotions attached. My commitment to God, my service to God has nothing to do with what I'm going through or what I'm not going through. So I'm carrying my seed with tears. With tears. It's hurting. But yet, I still have to be in the service. It's hurting. But yet, I still have to uh, be committed to the things I'm committed to. It's hurting. I'm carrying it with tears. With tears. And the Bible says, they will reap in joy. And he will continually goes forth. That word is strong. Continually is continually. And every time you come for a season, because it's a season, it will pass. Every time you show up for a season, it's with weeping. It's with weeping. I know how many times Pastor Tyre has told me, he said, Pastor, do you know that sometimes um, um, when I'm coming to church, you correct me if I'm wrong, when I'm coming to church, I don't even know how I'm going back. But nobody knew. I didn't even know. But it was for a season. It was for a season. See, sometimes I'm even coming to church. I don't even have the offering. I just have my money to go back home. But it was for a season. It was for a season. So when you go like that with tears and go with your commitment, say, Lord, I'm committed to you. Things may not be good around me, but I'm just committed to you. Whatever you say, do I do? He said, you will come back again rejoicing. That's his word. That's his promise. So everything comes to press you, not to kill you, to reveal you. It doesn't come to kill you. No. You don't have today. It's okay. Hey, the reason you don't have today is because yesterday you did not do something. Do something today so that tomorrow you will have. That's the reason. So it will be foolishness to stay in the same place. Don't do anything about today and expect tomorrow will be better. It's not a curse. It will not be better. Off. No. No. No, it won't. Sometimes we get so concerned about where we are today and forget that the reason we are here is because of what we did yesterday. So we want to solve today's problem. Someone was telling me, Pastor, I don't have any food. I said, you don't have food now because yesterday you made a wrong decision. So if you are concerned about solving the no food problem today and forget that the, the solution is to solve the problem so that tomorrow you will have. You will get into tomorrow and still not have food. So the solution let me give you a typical example. Someone says I don't have food. So I come to Kola. Kola, I don't have food. 
scholarship. Yeah, okay. Take 1,000. Has that solved the problem? Tomorrow, I come again. I come, Pastor, I don't have Pastor. Take 1,000. And you, you, you're happy. God, God has provided, yes. But if someone comes and says, you know what? Come work for me. And I will pay you XYZ at the end of 30 days. For the next 29 days, you will not have food. But from the 30th day, are you hearing what I'm saying? From the 30th day, some change begins to come in. Right? So if your focus was, ah, I don't have today, I don't have tomorrow, for the next 29 days, I will not have. No, I can't take the job. Hmm. Because you want to solve today's problem. You will find out in tomorrow, you will still be where? Yesterday. You would not have moved forward. Then, whatever God has put inside of you will be delayed in finding expression. Then the people who are supposed to be a blessing by your expression will not be, will not be a blessing. You won't be a blessing to them. Why? Because you are concerned mostly about yourself. About yourself. Someone say there's grace on me. Say it with boldness. There's grace on me. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24. He said there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. I have never known withholding to make anybody rich or prosperous. Never. 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 There is he who scatters. That's the person's life. I want to be a blessing to many people. There are some people in this church that they tell me, say, Pastor, they, they, they are concerned. They ask me, okay, Pastor, what are we doing next? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So I have to be thinking, okay, okay what, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? It's not like they have the money, but they want to have it in their mind so that as God is prospering and increasing them, they know what to do. They know what to do. Someone came to me one, one time, we had a discussion and said to me, Pastor, every three months, I think I should be able to push one million so that church can know what to do with it. Every three months. It says, there is one who scatters. Yet, he increases more. How is it possible that there is one who scatters, yet increases? How is that possible? But then he said, there's another one who withholds. He didn't say just who withhold. Who withhold more than is right. So it means that, yes, Bible allows you to withhold. But there's a level. You cannot be akagom. No, and it's so painful that some people are like, come even to themselves. Haba. If you've never taken yourself out, I'm not saying that you you save for three months to take somebody out. No, just you. You can't eat more than you can eat. Just take yourself out. Treat yourself nice. Even if you don't have. 
you go to Kilimanjaro with 1,000, you buy. You see, let me tell you the, the scope. Don't, don't go for rice and chicken. Oh, no, no, no. Go for those ones that they've already put the thing together. You don't need rice and chicken. You don't need chicken on top. Seriously, go for those ones. If you go for yam and egg, who needs chicken or yam and egg? You'll be fine. Buy one coke or buy one juice. Juice. And then. <laughs> and then you'll be fine. And then have a good time. When you have an attitude of wealth, it will be easy for God to communicate to you wealth. Honestly, just an attitude of wealth. That video, can you put it up? Just an attitude of wealth. Just an attitude. Just an attitude. Just the attitude of wealth. It will be easy for God to communicate to you. Because our God is a wealthy God. Wealthy God. Wealthy God. Whatever he wants to do in your life will require you to think big. Nelson Mandela said that if you are playing small, it does not serve the world. See, anybody who is playing small doesn't serve the world. Your plane has to be big. Are you ready quickly? Your plane has to be big. Your expectation, your mindset, your thinking has to be big. You may not have gotten it yet. You may not have gotten it yet. But the moment your mind changes, from that time, everything begins to change. So it has a process of time. And like wine, it needs age to be better. It needs time. So you allow time. Allow the word of God sit in and set on you. No. You don't do it halfway and stop. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't. In the morning, in the evening, in the noontime. No, your commitment is settled. It's settled. It's settled. Correct. So, Listen talk very more about that. Because I, I would say most people would say that the past is definitely predictive. Right, which is great, but they'd be wrong. <laughs> right? So, they would be wrong. And the simple fact of the matter is the past is real. Okay? So, the only thing that makes it predictive is if my behavior stays the same. So, I'll give you a great story. Um, so, we both grew up in Tacoma. And there used to be a, a thing called Toastmasters. I don't know if you remember Toastmasters, but... Toastmasters was a local, regional, and a national speaking group for anybody that wanted to get better at speaking. <clears throat> well, my dad had gone to a Toastmasters early on and heard one of the most successful magazine entrepreneurs in the world speak. He comes back and tells me, I just had a chance to hear one of the most successful magazine entrepreneurs in the world speak. And he said, when are you taking your SAT? I said, I'm taking it next year. He said, well, this guy was failing out of high school. He was struggling. He was raised by a single mom in the Midwest. But he promised his mother he would take a test called the SAT. So he takes the SAT in May, his junior year. Doesn't expect anything. Gets his score back in June. Now, the SAT, which I don't know how many your population know, but it's, it's a standardized test with a math part and a verbal part. Both are scored out of 800 points. Well, this guy takes it. He's, he's bombing. He's failing out of school. He doesn't expect anything as he's telling the story of Toastmasters. Well, he gets a 1480 out of 1600. So he's stunned, right? That would be for the smart That's people that listen to your podcast. insane, yeah. Right, cognitive dissonance. Right? I got a like, 900 on my SATs just right. to give people a frame. Right, and I got a 1090, excuse me. And I got a 1010, right? I was just, hey, four digits, it was a miracle, right? And, and, but it's a hard test, and it, you, you know, it's a variety of different things. So he gets the score, 
And his mother, doing what any mother would do, knowing her kids, says, did you cheat? Right? She knows her son. And he said, I swear to God, I tried to cheat, but the way the numbers were and the scantrons and the bubbles, you couldn't cheat. So she says, you mean to tell me you really got that score? He said, yeah, I got the score. So he's stunned, Tom. So as my dad's telling me the story, I'm like, okay. So he says, all right. So what he decides is because he realizes he's smart and he's going into his senior year, he says, I'm going to go to class. Now he starts to go to class. He doesn't hang out with who he did when he didn't go to class. All right. Teachers see him in class and they said, hey, maybe Franklin Pierce, maybe we missed the boat on this kid. So they start to treat him differently. Well, as the guy would tell the story, he graduates, goes to a community college, goes on to Wichita State, goes on to the Ivy League, and becomes this massively successful magazine entrepreneur. So I said, okay. Well, the guy was always smart. He just needed a standardized test to unlock it. My dad said, no, that's not the story. This is what I want you to understand. He said, 12 years after all this guy's success, he gets a letter in the mail from Princeton, New Jersey. Doesn't think anything about it. The next day, his wife says, you're going to open it. He opens it. True story, turns out the SAT board will periodically review their test-taking procedures and the policies. The year he took the test, he was one of 13 people sent the wrong SAT score. His actual score was a 740 out of 1600. <laughs> and he said, people think my whole life changed when I got the 1480. But what happened? My whole life changed when I started acting like a 1480. And what does a 1480 do? He goes to class. Well, this is one of the first stories I would share when I had my opportunity at Alabama or Florida State or Georgia. So A, your language is powerful, but number two, your behavior is way ahead of your success. And so many people let their feelings dictate what they do as opposed to throw your behavior out there. Russell Wilson's 5'10". He shouldn't be playing pro football, but he behaves like the best quarterback in the country. And he's done that since before he was at that level. And then his feelings and emotions and his skill caught up to that behavior. I think the lesson my dad was trying to teach me um, ultimately was in addition to my language, what I do, not how I feel about my past, is going to determine who I am in the future. And that's what I think. Glory to God. It explains a whole lot. I know when I watched that video, what came to mind was scripture. Jesus said, Be born again. He didn't say, Do born again. Behavior. Be born again. Your attitude. Be born again. Don't do it. Be it. So the guy got his test SAT score. And the, it was uh, 1480. 1480. Out of 1600. And then his mom asked him. Did you cheat? He said no. That he even tried to cheat. So the moment he realized. That look. I got 1480. He started going to class. What does someone who scores 1480 do? Go to class. So when God's word tells you who you are, you act like it. When you act like it and your behavior is like it, everything around you begins to walk in that direction. So he goes to class. And everybody's thinking, oh, he must be smart. No. Something just told him that he's smart. And he believed it. He believed it. Because if it was someone who, maybe his friend came to him and said, oh, I think you scored over a thousand. He probably wouldn't have believed. But it was an approved body. 
It was a recognized body. It was an institution that was globally recognized. And they said to him, you know, you write your jam now. It's what jam tells you that you have that you have. You, you know it. Even some of you, when you wrote your jam, you didn't even believe this God that they gave you. But they've given it to you. They've given it to you. And with that, you are heads up. And then you enter the university like that. As the same, 12 years down the line, they sent a man, sorry, your, your score that we sent you is a wrong score. It's not your own. It's somebody else's own. But it doesn't matter anymore. Whose report would you believe? So he has believed that report and because he believed it, he ran with that belief and became successful. It has nothing to do with your past. Nothing. Nothing. The behavior and attitude you put forth when God's word comes to you tells a Lord how that word will work for you. It tells a whole lot how the word will work for you. Stand to your feet. Everything in life comes to you to help you to bring out the best in you. To bring out the best in you. Every grace of God on your life is so that the world can be a better place. Lift your hands to heaven. So Lord, I open up to you. Let every grace in me find expression. Let men drink from the grace that you have put inside of me. Let men draw. Let me be available in your hands to be used by you for your glory. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your prayer. Let me come to the point where I realize that my life is not my own. Beyond my challenges, beyond the things that I go through, Lord, there is that purpose for my existence. And it is centered in you. And that my commitment to you Lord. Will be. Will not be tied to any emotions whatsoever. But I will look to you. And hold on to you Father. And hold on to you. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Lift your hands to heaven. 
I pray for you. That Satan will not rob you of the future because of the challenges of today. I pray for you that wisdom, knowledge and understanding from the presence of the Lord will rest on you and help you in your decisions such that all that Christ has come to do, all that Christ has done, you will benefit in the name of Jesus. Whatever the challenges, whatever the difficulty, I ask this morning that the power of God will show forth on your behalf and put everything right in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, celebrate Jesus. Glory to God. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.